Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 22nd of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer of HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. This week's podcast, we will catch up with both the conference finals. Both are heading into game six, where the Penguins have a 3-2 lead. The Predators have a 3-2 lead. And um, this week, we will start out... On the left coast, we'll start in the Western Conference. Predators won Game 5 despite being undermanned. And this is a theme that, you know, we could use for both conferences. It seems like survival of the fittest at this point. Uh, Lots of injuries. Survival of the hack and whack, basically. So, an incredible kind of news drop by Elliot Friedman the other day in the afternoon that Ryan Johansson had surgery on his thigh and will be out two to three months, which effectively obviously ends his playoffs. That was kind of out of nowhere. I don't think anybody was talking about him being hurt or I think it was an emergency surgery, but I, I haven't seen any details. I saw one tweet with a video of showing where it looked like he pulled up sore. Um, but compartmental syndrome is weird. Um, it can just sit there for ages and ages and you don't know anything's wrong with you. Then all of a sudden it flares up and it can be really, really painful and really, really, and affect you really, really quickly. Like there have been extreme cases where people have have lost their foot or, or lost their leg from the knee, um, in regards to the person not getting it looked at quickly enough. So really good that he had the surgery, got it over with, um, and, you know, he'll be right to play next year. But it just sucks for Nashville. You look at some of the players that have got out. There's, you know, Johansson, you've got Fisher, Fiala as well. Fiala from earlier, yeah. That was an injury I thought um, kind of went under the radar a little bit. But he is really good player offensively. And, you know, yeah. if you're keeping a Zollner Chuck or Cody McLeod or some somebody out of the lineup and putting Fiala in, that's that's a big deal. It is. It is. And it's it's one of those things that you um you just have to deal with as a as a team in the play particularly this year. Every team has key components injured. Every team seems to be battling through all of those problems. And, and I just think it's because the officials aren't calling enough of the hooking, holding and slashing infractions. So the bodies are just gonna wear down more. Yeah, and the product isn't better for it. No. No. Like you said, like you use Fiala as the example. If you can have Fiala in instead of Cody McLeod or Zolnichuk, it's going to be a better quality of hockey out there on the ice. And Fiala's was a, a fluke kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah. That wasn't no, not a classic hack and whack, but your point taken that you're seeing a lot of guys in – you know, we will talk about the East, but like Connor Sheary, another candidate for that. Yes, the concussion, but somebody, um, I'm going to have to credit uh, who it is. I, I'll look it up as we go along. Uh, found a, a hand slash on Sheary where he had a hand injury, and the points before, the point rates before and after are pretty stark. Yep, and that explains it right there. You, you can't, it's like. Eric Carlson has finally started to wear down after being on one foot. Yeah, I thought they did a smart job of just getting him the hell out of that game yesterday. Yeah. Hey, they did it against the Rangers. Did the same thing. They just you know he's nuts. not right if they're pulling him. 
Yep. I mean, hey, I don't he plan them for doing that. So. Yeah. So, Ryan, I still don't know how. Him. Sorry. How they won without Johansson and, and Fisher? Like, no cinnamon. They just lost their top two cinnamon. Yeah, and it's not like Fisher's your classic number two. Yeah, so he's already pushing higher in the lineup than you'd want him. <laughs> Johansson's a, a very good, and you know, a lot was made of um, the Kessler stuff and, and what Johansson said. Nobody could root for a guy like that, and yada yada yada. Basically, just funny. talking shit back and forth. Um, but Johansson wasn't wrong. You can say what you want about his comment, but you know. Kessler, the old school media will talk about how tough he is to play against, and I'm looking at Johansson's 61.4% advantage in shot attempts during this series, and he's got a point per game, so what? Kessler is not winning that battle at all. No, no, he's not. I guess maybe he did if some of those chops... Well, explain his... You know what... You were explaining the injury before. Uh, could no, that happen from the, direct? Just sorry, what was that? Could could a, a single event spur yes. that? Yep, it, it it was probably just sitting there ready to go. So so think of it in the context of you know trying to find something that we we can all relate to. It's like a, a hamstring that's really really tight. So it, it's you're playing with it. You know the hamstring's tight, but you sort of without realizing it, you, you compensate to it so you you don't stretch out quite as far or you don't skate with your skating strike quite as far. Then you forget about it. The next minute you know the hamstring just pings, and that could have been tight for a couple of weeks. The compartmental thing is, is a little different in that it just sits there, you have no pain, and then all of a sudden something twists and moves, something goes pop, and all of a sudden it's excruciating. So he... Um, he did a pretty good job of hiding the fact that would have fucking killed. <laughs> and um, well done to the training staff for finding it. Because it can be misdiagnosed, and that's usually when people lose limbs because they just can't get to what they need to get to to do it. So, oh, boy. So, yes. um, Emergency yeah. Emergency surgery, so, uh, definitely. Yep. Yeah, got him done quick. And, and, you know, that's why they said emergency surgery. Like they're, not, they're not fucking around with it. It's get it looked at quick and get it done quick. So I guess in a weird, twisted way, the rockheads that follow this sport could ejaculate about Kessler wearing down Johansson. Yes, the interesting way to put it. <laughs> but yes, that's exactly right. If you want to look at it in that Yay, context, hockey. that's what rocks your boat. If that's what rocks your boat to see players, quality players, get off the ice, then. I feel sorry for you. I'm about watching skill and, and physicality and not not that sort of garbage. So despite Johansson and Fisher being out game five, Nashville got it done in, was it in Anaheim or was it home? It was in Anaheim in regulation and we all knew Pontus was going to score it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That was a nice goal, uh, albeit while he was concussed, apparently. Oh, Jesus Christ, I didn't, even, I didn't know that. Well, he, he had uh, fallen, face-planted on the ice, and he then scored and then got taken out for the rest of the game. Oh, that's, that is kind of funny. Go now, to feel, now, go now to I will say this. 
Was it perfect? No. Did they get him out of the game? Yeah. In the general sphere of this sport, not bad. <laughs> That's, That's a, a low, It's a low bar, but he. That's a win. <laughs> That's a win for this sport. You got to feel sorry for James Ryder. He played really well coming in for in relief of Gibson doing his knee, and Bernier. Bernier. Oh, Bernier. Sorry, yeah, Rhymer's in um in Florida, and, and you know, for a goalie that everybody said was was done, he um you know filled in quite admirably, and I think you'll have to be play. I think you'll have to play game six. Don't quote me on this because I didn't look it up, but I wanted to say that I think I saw. Bernier's numbers compared to Niemi and Lettinen, and they were, you know, close enough. <laughs> Just goes to show, yeah. like, the Bishop thing. You don't have to do those things. There's always a Bernier out there. Yeah, yeah Bernier always... is not a top-end goalie, but you're paying these guys that are going to be in that middle. You know, we always talk about the, the sandwich model of the two buns are the very rare high-end goalie, low-end goalie, and then the, the meat of the sandwich there's a lot of people in there, and you don't want to pay the meat at the sandwich uh, goaltender's term, for one. Term is the worst thing you can do with goalies. And then a lot of money, and I think um, Bernier is one of those guys that falls into the proper price point, but you'll probably get at least similar enough results as opposed to paying a guy $5 million. But And, and like, like we've said, any goalie can get hot, and if he's feeling good about himself over the next couple of games, the Anaheim team in front of him is good enough, even with their own run of injuries there, to, to beat Nashville twice. Fleury's a great example of that. Just overpaid. Um, as far as getting hot, Fleury got hot for the playoffs during his run. He was a 909 goaltender this year, so you can't like act like, oh yeah, of course he played great. Oh yeah, we I had no illusions that this I knew this was happening. This is as a Flurry fan, it's like yes, this is awesome. But as a realistic hockey fan, it's like where the fuck did this come from? There was nothing at all in his play leading up to the playoffs to suggest that he was going to play it at this level. And maybe volume of shots is what helped him out. Because um, Pittsburgh gave him volume of shots to try and save. Yeah, he did. He did pretty great with those. Uh, but yeah, that goes into you know Bernier can get hot. He, well, he lost that game obviously on a bad rebound, in my opinion. But you know, much like how the Penguins were losing against Ottawa, you can't really win with one goal. No, no, no. That's exactly right. And I mean, the goalie at the other end is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, from a Penguins perspective, is doing a flurry. He is playing. Far better than his well, numbers suggest he would have. We've kind of beat up on Pekka since the offseason as a skeptical reason why Nashville would not maybe go far. Uh, but he had a he had a fine regular season, and he's playing great in the playoffs. So at least there was some evidence of him having a good year. Where did the year come from, though? Um, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's this that's, position in a nutshell, though. Yeah, it's just, that's that, that's what makes those top. Of but you the don't want to pay seven million to to kind of guess and find out. Correct, and that but that's what makes guys like Lundqvist so valuable is that you know what you're getting year in year out. Like Nick Mercadante said, there's a patch in the middle of the year where Lundqvist goes cold, just loses the plot, can't save anything, and then after that he's good for the rest of the year. Um, it just so happened that his his rough patch this year was a little longer than normal. Um, but you, you know what you're getting out of 
out of Lundqvist. You don't with Rene. You don't with Fleury. Well, here's Rene this year. 929 even strength save percentage in the regular Jesus. season. So that's health that's that's above average. A healthy margin that's substantially above average. Is it, wasn't average this year 915? No, no, no. Not even strength. That's uh, Even strength's usually uh, give or take a few. On, uh, 921 is usually the... Yeah. Uh, either way, that's that's really good. Like His high danger save percentage in the playoffs is up as well. And you know, that was the one sort of hole in, in the argument with Fleury was that the team was protecting him with the volume of high danger chances he wasn't getting in amongst the volume of shots that he was having to save. So, because um, he was poor there, whereas Pekka Rene's was, was quite high. Yep. Or is So, I think a lot of teams <clears throat> losing their top two centers, it, it would be tough to play against team like Anaheim late in the playoffs but that Nashville defense core is amazing it, it is the one thing that worries me for Nashville is that Anaheim have had 36 hours to work out how to try and expose that lack of strength down the middle now considering that they do have Getzlaff and, and Kessler um, yeah but to stick with the injury theme they will be without Eves and now Ricard Raquel. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's big, bigger than most think. Yes, particularly Raquel. Yes, Eves uh, has had a wonderful year, but Raquel is uh, a budding uh, star winger for them. Does a lot. Yeah. Good, good, um, good underlying stats is every time that um, I've looked him up. Yeah. So, so that's not. You're good. exactly right. But what I always hear this from people that are into numbers, people that aren't. You can't win without quality centers. So is the positional loss bigger than the actual player loss? Um, I think it evens out in this case because Eve's 30-goal scorer, I, I like how he plays. Raquel's 2.08 points per 60 in the regular season. You can't really lose a top-line producer like that out of nowhere. Um, but Johansson, he was... he had a, He's had a great playoffs. He was 1.62 yeah. in the regular season. That seems really low for him. That was, that's was that been the argument against Johansson this year, though, is that he... No one expected... I suppose the, the thing with Johansson is that his numbers through the regular season didn't suggest that he would be quite... This effective in the offseason. I'd have to research more his teammates throughout the year. I know he's got he had good ones leading up to his injury, no doubt about it. I don't know if that was the line all year though. Right? Isn't he with Forsberg and Arvidsson now? He is. He is or, now. Or was. Yeah. Mm. I, don't, was I don't know if that was a year long thing. Anyways, both teams, Anaheim and Nashville, are the envy of the the league as far as defense groupings go oh they're amazing and that's even with Dupre not being able to play for Anaheim he is a he is a lost asset that poor guy like just purely in the fact that he can't get on the ice because of you know concussion problems but you forget about it for Anaheim and that's another asset in there that they you know could use for for now and also for the expansion draft 
I do think Anaheim's kind of up against it right now. To win? Yeah, it's um, Getzlaff has been amazing. He's mm-hmm. um, he's the only non-Penguin in the top five playoff scoring right now. Yeah. So, unfortunately for him, I think a lot falls on how he does in the next game to drive that offense. And you know what, though? I reckon it, it comes down more to Kessler. He's been outplayed through this series, like you explained with the Johansson numbers. Without Johansson in there, you know what you're going to get from, from Getzlaff, right? You're going to get 24 minutes of amazing play at the moment. He's playing on a dominating Ryan Getzlaff level. So for me, the, the the push for Anaheim has to come from somewhere else in the lineup. You can't get any more out of Ryan Getzlaff than what you currently are. So it has to be someone else. Silverberg has to put something in the net, or you know Kessler has to do something. Corey Perry needs to score something other than game-winning goals. Um, those they just, those do help, needs... though. Rumor, rumor, oh, they do. rumor has it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, here's, that, you here's know, the deal like... with Kessler. He has one point against the Predators, and it came on the power play. He's got nothing at even strength. Five so games, they nothing. That's the thing. If he produces, you know, in game six and they win, then all is forgiven for his lack of production. But it, it does prove the point that if he actually concentrates on playing hockey rather than being a complete dick, um, he can actually be effective both ways. Uh, speaking of that euphem- euphemism that you just used, uh, Getzlaff oh, uh, <laughs> got into some hot water. Uh, and rightfully so. The thing that's funny about that, though, is that I hear that slur all the time when I play football. And, 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 me, and me in hockey else. still to this day. And I, yeah, um, yeah it's, it gets thrown out there and nobody thinks of it. Like, in a literal yeah. sense, it's just the go-to response a lot of times, and you don't put much thought into it. But, uh, yeah, by, uh, by definition, that is... Um, it's a derogatory comment about doing that, and therefore it's a homophobic slur. And we were discussing it before the podcast, and it's like, shit, you're right. That is a bad thing to say. That's really, really bad. And hearing it out of context, so hearing it, you know, in this environment when we were discussing it, it's like, yeah, you can't say that. You just can't. And on, on, as soon as you cross the white line to go play a sport, all of a sudden anything is available to be used to try and annoy your opponent, never once have I thought when that's been said to me on the field, oh, that's a gay slur. Never once, but it is. Yeah, technically is. It's um, very popular. Um, I never (laughs) gave it much thought on the ice because your, you know, your focus isn't on the politics of a comment. (laughs) Maybe it should be, but I don't know. He's not the only one to use it. They caught him. He got fined. Um, learn it, learn and move on. The only issue is the double standard of the fine. That's all. What's that? From what was what was done earlier in the year on Shaw, how he caught the fine in a game. Oh, um, yep, yep. If you really want to sit there and go, right, we're serious about this, Getzlaff should have lost a game. You've got to change that standard in the off season. Oh, you can't do it now. I. It's just you know, it's the same with their suspensions. Playoff games are like you know, a million, worth ten. A million. Yeah. 
So and I don't think that's right. If you really want to stamp this garbage out, suspensions, these sorts of things that Getzlaff have done, you have to punish equally in the playoffs as you do in the off in the regular season. So they never learn. You know, he got caught on camera. He's not the only one, but um, you know, when things go public like this, it can be a learning moment or. I don't think he really has learned from it, though. No, probably not, but I'm just saying, you know. I tried, to, I tried to tell my students if they want to use insults like that, be more clever and, and maybe come up with one that doesn't uh, specifically anger a section of people. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Give it blanket coverage. <laughs> the word faggot is a common one that applies to that as well. That um, For us 30-somethings, that, that word was thrown out in school days left and right as, oh, a, as yeah. a not a big deal um, thing. Uh, similar concept. God, I, hadn't, I haven't heard that in years. That's a good one. You're exactly right. Eh, people are getting better about it. Which is good. So we actually are progressing as a, as a race. Well done us. <laughs> so that's all I have to add on that. I didn't think we could bring Getzlaff up and totally ignore it. No, that's a, that's a very good point, actually. Moving on to something a little more hockey-related that's not crap. Um, <laughs> injuries. More injuries? Well, yeah. <laughs> Go to the East and discuss those injuries. All right, what do we got? Start with Carlson. He'll play game six, right? Yes. Did you see that thing buckle? Which period did it happen in? Second period. End? Start. Oh, at the start. Yeah, I did miss it then. Yeah. It I, just... I had moved on to N64 by the end of that game. Have you moved on to Mario Kart? No, Ken Griffey Baseball. Let me just ah. say, I beat the shit out of the 98 Yankees 25 nothing. That really felt good. And I beat yeah, Jeter on the head. Done. I threw at Jeter every time, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. It just yeah, it just looked like a really bad twist of his ankle, and it, I, don't, I don't even know if that's his good or his bad foot. <laughs> but doesn't really matter though. <laughs> well, yeah, it just sucks. Like they'll just stick him full of needles, make it go numb, and just hope that he doesn't feel like he's skating around with no foot down there. But he probably will. But he'll still be awesome. You know, playing against the Rangers is one thing um, with that kind of injury. And and the Bruins included because the Bruins were injured quite significantly, I, I think. They were playing with an AHL back in. And, you know, Pittsburgh's forwards are just better than those other two teams. And, and they're the ones that attack Carlson first, not the not the defensive pairs. So here here's Carlson's... Possession numbers this series. Game one was good when, when Ottawa came out of the gate strong. He, he played 23 minutes. Sorry, 24 minutes of even strength, 55%. Game two, similar, 24-ish minutes, but down to 32%. Wow. And then games three, four, and then five, he, he's down to 15 minutes, 52%. 52%'s not bad. But he's gone forty six percent, forty one percent in the in the following two games. And last game he played under ten minutes at even strength. 
So he's not driving play quite the level that he was in the other series. And, And some of that's quality of the competition, but also the length of time that you keep playing on a broken foot. It's got to catch up with you at some stage, doesn't it? You usually just hope in that situation it's after Game 7 of the Stanley Cup, not where he is right now, so close. Like This is Ottawa's best chance. I can't see this roster improving next year. And you look at it, you've got a depleted Penguins team, you've got two teams in the in the West that are banged up to hell as well. If they're going to do it, now's the, now's the time to do it. Feels like the ice. It feels like the heart, the hurricanes. Yeah. Sort of swoop it there in a weird year, and bang, here's the winner. Yeah, Pittsburgh um, is it was a. I don't want to say they're lucky because they they did go through Columbus and Washington. They're lucky that after the Washington series, the uh, somebody like a fully healthy Bruins team wasn't waiting for them. Is what I'll say. That does help. Yeah. So I'm just typing in some Carlson numbers to give you, uh, to kind of back up the point I was making about maybe getting worn down plus quality of uh, the opponent. First two rounds, he's 56.3 possession guy. Penguin series, 46.4. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Pittsburgh get really aggressive on the F2, on the forecheck when Carlson's coming out of the zone. So they'll flush him out with the F1, and they'll have the F2 force him to make a second decision really quickly. And because, obviously, skating around on a sore foot, he's not quite as agile to just skip by the guy with the puck on his stick. He's actually letting go of the puck a little earlier than he wants. Um, And then Pittsburgh aren't letting him recover the puck. They're not allowing the pass back to Carlson to let him weave his magic. So it's a lot harder for him to dominate the game in that aspect. He, he doesn't get the, the free wheel out of the zone that he got in the previous two series. Um, and he was he has to do a lot because Pittsburgh's defense core, not very impressive. They're Obviously, they don't have a, a – well, they do have. He's just not there. A, a, a close – Carlson uh, player with Latang. Latang is not at that level, but you know they have a guy that plays that similar role. He's out, so the rest of the D is not very good. Well, Ottawa's got the same problem. Without Carlson, I, I'd argue their defense core is even worse than Pittsburgh. Probably, and the numbers with and without Carlson on the ice prove that point. And Latang. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Pittsburgh, although it's really funny, Pittsburgh were getting caved in possession-wise, even with Latang in the lineup earlier through the year. It just, the gap got wider as soon as he wasn't in the lineup for the playoffs, and they were playing quality teams that, that held possession a lot, so. If uh, Carlson's legitimately, you know, at the lowest of the low as far as his injury is concerned right now, I, I don't know how Ottawa can get by because Pittsburgh does I know it was 7 nothing. I mean that's an obvious blowout but they didn't take the gas or their foot off the pedal they kept going no, they, reached, 
Yep, they made sure they pushed through and got as many goals as they could. They didn't allow themselves to get any bad habits, any laziness about them. Um, you know, there might be a lineup change because Wilson might be out uh, concussed, so um, that might be a bit of a spanner in the works because he's working quite well with Malkin and, and Kessel. But yeah, um, and, um, yeah, continue that thought. But I want to talk a little bit about Wilson as well. Yeah, it, 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 Anderson is the is the any goalie is the one thing that can stonewall a hot team. So there is a chance that they could win it. And Anderson's results in the comeback game from getting pulled are supposed to be quite good. But he did have the games three, four, and five in the Rangers series where he gave up sixteen he, goals. He's not been on fire this playoffs. No, he started not, but... on fire this particular series. He was 960-ish every game. But yeah. he was not on a flurry type of positive run. No, he's, he's, he's been up and down. Um, I think he is a good goalie, is... but he, yeah. he he's not in a con smite discussion, put it that way. And when no, you're Ottawa but... and Carlson's hurt and the, guy's not, the goaltender's not playing at a 960 level... You know, that's why Ottawa wasn't really picked by many to, to make noise. That's right. The thing that scares me about Anderson, though, is he's quite capable of being 962 games in a row. Well, I will that... argue that the uh, guy in the other net is just as capable. Yep, no, I totally agree. And the way he's played two games back gives me no reason to believe that he won't be at least a 935 or something like that which theoretically should be enough to get you over Ottawa. He stopped uh, since taking over for Fleury uh, in Game 3 when Ottawa chased Fleury in four goals, nine shots, or whatever it was. He stopped 68 of 71, all situations. So He stopped 19 of 20 in that game, in the in the two periods he played. And it took Turris a uh, pretty great deke, in my opinion, to, to beat him. Yeah, that's true. But it was. We'll talk a little bit more about Murray um, in a in a second. Uh, yeah, Scott Wilson's kind of one of those classic. Where the hell did this come from, guy? For the rest of the league, <laughs> like, why does Pittsburgh have? You and I have been hiding for a while though. One point nine one points per sixty in the regular season. That is um, approaching first line level stuff. Not bad for the kind of minutes and the quality of teammate that he had. He's um he's a guy that can play the Max Talbot role from way back yep. in 09 where by having a guy like that, being able to fit in with the Malkin line and not drag anything down, just kind of be there and, and reap the benefits of, yes, playing with the guy leading the playoffs and points, <laughs> it allows Mike Sullivan to spread the wealth and when you start rolling the lines and every line's got some speed and, and has a unique blend of talent, it, it's it's tiring to play against. Well, you, you get no relief. I mean, that's the, the bonus of Josh Archibald has not done a lot in the short time that he gets on the ice, but he's fast. He pushes the defenseman back. So that that speed in every on every line really, really helps. It, you know... You mentioned the Wilson potential concussion. We'll, we'll see what um, comes of that today. Patrick Hornquist just hopped, literally is on the ice right now. 
before practice skating around. So don't know if he'll be back. But losing they, Scott well, Wilson will be, um, you know, they can overcome it, but it's not – it, it messes with um, the, what they had going, which is what I just talked about. Yeah. Um, totally agree. So, yeah, I guess we should – kind of talk about the Matt Murray thing because I believe the last time we recorded it was before the decision was made yes yes it was um, right call glad he did it and I know you disagree I mean easy I to say in hindsight obviously we, we have the results but you know I wrote play Murray it doesn't have to be a real complicated decision does when the if media wants if it to be, though. He's healthy, and he came in relief and looked good. Yeah. And he's objectively well, he, he's the better guy, then that yeah. kind of where the conversation ends for me. Yep, but that's not the way the Pittsburgh media and the way the fans see it. They're, I mean, clo- they're close with Flurry the person. Yep, but you got to look at it. If you're – Sullivan quoted – was one of the best quotes with this – we made the decision that we think gives us the best chance to win, and Murray does. You know, they I don't wrote think he threw in that video. last part. I don't think he added the Murray part, but yes, he did exactly say that. We're gonna. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Sorry, I said, and Murray does. Um, but you know, Fleury wrote a high PDO. You're more likely to get the consistent, steady, you know, save percentage that you get with. Murray than you are Fleury averaging out a little bit lower but having all the peaks and troughs he just peaked a few more games in a row than I was expecting and thankfully he did for Pittsburgh because he certainly helped them get through those first two rounds four and goals he, he, on nine shots is, is, is a rough thing to overcome I think Murray is the less likely guy to do that oh I, I, I agree but I mean he was the Penguins MVP up to game three of the playoffs of the Eastern Conference, you know, be him or Gino, and now he's going to watch. That's going to be his last game in Pittsburgh. Well, unforeseen change in health to the starter, or you know, something fluky. Yeah, um, yeah, it it might be. You know, I mean, he will get handed the cup first. We know that if it all falls that way. But that's going to be his last period in Pittsburgh. And it's pretty, you know, it's pretty much how his career in Pittsburgh is. You know, gives you some massive highs and shatters you with some shocking lows. Yeah, those lows haven't been as common in the playoffs, um, this, this last section of his Pittsburgh tenure. So, you know, I don't want to beat him up too bad. But, yeah, I mean, you can go through fault on goals, which I don't I don't like doing that because I just kind of let the stats speak for themselves with the goaltending because you can make excuses for every goalie on every goal. Of course. Outside of the total flubs. Wow. Well. And then, and, then, and then that conversation's just forming a defense for the guy you like better, and that that's, doesn't help with uh, prediction of future outcome or anything like that. No, no. So Pittsburgh, 
Pittsburgh are lucky. You know, they hold all the cards for game six. You know, the one thing that Ottawa have for them is that it's at home um, and you can cross your fingers that Pittsburgh are complacent um, and they don't come out and play very well at the start. I don't see complacency coming into play here. No, I agree. But that's what you've got to hope for. If you're a Sens fan, you know, like Brassard is injured now as well. And their centerline depth is not massive. So he's probably going to play and he'll probably play hurt. So... You know. I thought the Ottawa Senators started great in Game 4, and Murray just was an animal yes. that first period. Yep, yep, yep. And that was a great push by Ottawa, but, you know, Murray kind of does those things. Yep, He and the thing that's funny about when Murray does it, it just seems so calm it's and quieter. relaxed. It's quieter. It's an economy of movement. When Fleury does it, and, you know, he did it against both Washington and, and Columbus, it's so much more active. It's so much more fun to watch, to be perfectly honest. But good grief, does it stress you out? <laughs> yeah. Murray doesn't ask. No, he's... And my favorite Murray criticism is the glove stuff, because what goalie's glove isn't weak? And um, if his glove was so weak, it would manifest itself in the numbers to where it would be a significant complaint. But it doesn't, so it's just... One of those things that people will continue to just say, but don't really have any evidence that it's negatively impacting his play. Every goalie gets beaten on the glove side because it's a reflex movement, quite literally. Remember it, when the Penguins of... figured out Holtby's glove? <coughs> oh, yeah. yeah, of course they did. It took till now, but they figured it out. Yeah. It's just a reflex thing. I mean, if you're going to go and use Hoppy as the example, he didn't see that puck from Hornquist come through till it was too late, and then it's reflex. Oh, that's just one example, but yeah. Oh, yeah, you use one example there. It's like that. It's the glove is such a reflex use of a body part. You know, there's skill involved in in stick positioning and using the blocker and all those sorts of things, but that glove is literally just: do I see it? Yep, grab it. That's pretty much how it works. And Nick Mercadante is probably going to kill me for saying it like that, but that's that's how it appears to me, is that it's all reflex action. There's positioning to it, keeping your elbow up and that, and that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, that he's, he's talked about. He, he did have concerns about Murray's glove before it became a talking point, but I, I just don't see it as a concern because I look at his save percentage numbers and look at his high danger save percentage, which is very always very good. So, yeah, that's they're going to continue to play Murray, and I think that is objectively the right thing. Yep. Might not make for a better movie script, but, you know, well, oh well. Well, if that done the way it is, if Pittsburgh go all the way, it's Malkin's consmart anyway. Yeah, so let's talk about the fun offensive players here. Malkin is leading the the, the playoffs in points, has since round is He went off on the Blue Jackets. Yeah, they got destroyed. <laughs> and uh, he's got, he put in another three assists yesterday. So he's got a comfortable lead, which is, um, yeah. Remember all those trade Malkin uh, people? Yeah, I know, they're morons. Um. Just his ability to just create space and time 
for people. Like, Crosby's great pass to Kessler doesn't happen if Malcolm can't weave his magic up along the blue line. Yeah, he's he's absurd. How about that other uh, zone entry he had where he was on the blue line and shook Broussard loose? That looked great. Broke his, broke his ankles. <laughs> how many... How many players have the balls to try that move and let alone execute it uh, with little risk, might I add? It's not like he... I I try to tell my players, keep the puck out of the tripod area. That means not going under the stick or through the legs because it could get poked away. That move he put on was just around him. It was a safe move even though it looked impressive because it was impressive. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, he's dangles and his ability to move the puck around in front of himself um, is is amazing. He keeps the puck in areas where he knows he's got control of it. Other people might not think he's got control of it and think what he's trying to do is dangerous. I reckon probably once every 12 or 13 times that gets that gets clipped off his stick and, and ends and, up being a score know, of chance. And you know what happens that one time? People forget about the other freaking 13 times. Because he makes those 13 times look so pedestrian. Like, you need to... I watched the game with a friend of mine at the moment, and you you have to say, hey, did you did you notice what he just did then? And he's got no idea. And you have to rewind it and go, okay, watch what he does here. And then he goes, oh, my God, how did he do that? And it's like, well, yeah, okay, I don't know how exactly he does it, but you need to appreciate what he does to, you know, at the blue line to create the zone time for the Crosby pass to Kessel. He's not an idiot. He understands risk-reward. Let him do his thing. Yes, on occasion, there'll be a glaring turnover on those kind of moves, but let's not pretend that the generation he creates does not severely outweigh this one-off or two-off mistake. That I... of course, let's say he does make that mistake at the blue line. The, the coverage of the sport would dwell on that and not the other millions of times that he does well. And that's why the sport's stupid. Yeah, very um, much so. How about that that power play goal you referenced, though? Got to think Jim Rutherford had that in his mind when he traded for Kessel. Well, exactly. <laughs> All three players that touched that, he'd be like, yep, that's why I wanted it. So... I want to talk about Sid a little bit. Yeah. Tip goal off a daily early in the game for a power play goal. I believe that's uh, three straight games with a power play goal. That doesn't happen I believe that that's, often. I believe that's called sit down low. Yeah, that might be that old hashtag. I, did I create it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oh, I'm going to say you did. I'd like to know somebody who created a hashtag. Yep. Whatever. Um, <laughs> hashtag I'm going to continue to use um, regardless. So he's one of the best tipping players in the league. And Emma. Sid Down Low also includes playmaking ability, which you saw on the pass over to Phil on the on the weak side. And, geez, it's a fruitless argument against me if you tell me to place him anywhere else on the power play because I'm just going to tell you that it's wrong. Especially with a Malkin on the team. Like, if Malkin's not on the team, I could understand a half-wall role for Sid, but Malkin is on the team. You know? what, what sucks is there's natural rotation on a power play, and, and that that's rotates... Fine. That's fine. I get that. But it rotates him out of there, though, and well, you, you have to do it. At times it will, 
and that's okay. It it bothers me when they regain full possession and don't reset it back. Yeah, yeah. But um, the other game, game four, was it? When Phil curled around up near the blue line and then shot it towards the net, didn't Sid get another goal that way? The one. Yeah. Yeah. You need him. Oh, he didn't shoot it towards the net. Phil, I I started using the the, the Phil curl hashtag and because um, <laughs> on the power play, if Phil gets it on the left circle and curls up at the blue line, the penalty killer is never going to chase him all the way to the blue line because it's just you would go too far and expand and create a lot of bubble room in the center of the ice, and you don't want to do that. So Phil has two options. He can laser it for a tip shot or or just put it in the net. But if that guy does chase up into a shooting lane, a guy like Gensel slips out of that screen front presence for the return pass, and now you have a two-on-one down low. So the team has to choose. Do we want a two-on-one up high where Phil's probably going to shoot it? Or do we challenge him and hope that Gensel doesn't slide it back door to Sid? It's, That's um, the power play that I run for high school, is where I get the guy walking the blue line like that, and you have the return pass, or you can just shoot with built-in screens and tips. And it doesn't happen without player movement. It just creates no, two-on-ones. Right. You either create it up high or down low. You read you read the penalty killer. They will dictate where the two-on-one is. They cannot cover the entire ice. And when you have guys like Kessel, Gensel, Crosby, and Malkin um, – Passing it around, I'm missing someone in there. Who, who am I? Uh, Daly or Strider, whoever. Um, you can't really stop it. The goalie will have to be your your guy there, and um, on some occasions it's just not fair because you got people back door wide open. They just they've needed it to click like got a little bit dry through the Washington series and this series and particularly game five, it, it certainly, um, they've driven up their percentages, um, on that. It looks like it's clicking. They've adjusted to not having Latang and Schultz back there now. They've made that adjustment. I think in regards to the expectations of what the one D man point can do. So they've, they've run up one D man point the whole year with just Latang. No, I know. And then just Schultz. They're not, they're not doing that now, so they have to adjust a little bit to it in regards to who they had out there as the one demon. So I don't know. They, they look they, like they, they run Sid, Phil, Gino, Gensel. That's four forwards. Maybe the third period they were just running two D because of the time of the game was. That's probably true. Straight. But I, I do think that they need to continue the four forward approach. And I would say that for any team, really. Oh, I agree. No, no, no. People are doing good work on that, and some people are looking into the five-forward approach, and I've actually seen that work in person. It was pretty amazing. It was in 01, and the five-forwards just happened to be Lemieux, Yager, Stevens, Kovalev, Straka. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. The um, moonwalk, moonwalk of Kovalev along the blue line, I take it? Uh, yeah, it was Kovalev and Straka at the point. Yeah. Pretty good. So, um, also with Sid, he had a brain injury, very obviously so, against Washington. And it, I think he probably returned a little bit early. 
and I think his uh, play was evident of that. I don't think it was as good. Uh, the last few games, it's been better. Possession-wise, and he has five points in the last three games. So he's rebounding. Not good news for the Senators. No, not good news for the Senators at all. And then Phil, Phil's still a point a game. And I know um, Matt Geica of uh, DK on Pittsburgh Sports took some heat for his Twitter take on, uh, on Phil's leash. That I don't know if you caught that. No, I missed that one. You know, he was being a little bit critical of, of Phil, and um, he kind of brought a little, a little bit of uh, effort into the, the tweet. I, I probably wouldn't have gone there with it. I, I do think there's legitimate um, discussion to be had about his 5v5 play. His individual shot attempts are down from his career norms. So uh, there's there's something to be said. If he's not producing the offense, which he's at a point of game he is, he's the kind of player that kind of needs the offense to have value. He's not classically been a, a great possession guy but, it, but his offensive uh, skills are the, that good to where it's usually a non-issue yeah but he just he can't carry a lot on his own and um that's that's the reality i didn't think it was wrong to bring something like that up uh some people took took it and, and ran with it quite a bit and were very negative towards him i um i, I didn't agree necessarily with the effort part of it but um, I think there's a discussion to be had about his even strength play and where it's tracking for the future. But, you know, he's in the top five for playoff scoring once again. He's one of the best playoff scorers of his generation, believe it or not. You wouldn't know that. <laughs> not Him or Ovechkin, the way that they're both talked about. Yeah, good grief. And, um, yeah, Phil's, Phil's doing Phil things. Hey, it's it's a nuanced conversation to be had, and it's 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 hard in the hockey world. Everything's black and white. And that was on Twitter, so that's a tough discussion it's worse. to have. <laughs> you can have it on a podcast. Twitter discussion is um, that's uh, I've been trying to have less and less of those. Do we want to discuss the Wilson elbow? Yeah, I mean, in the sense that, what the fuck? <laughs> There's yeah. no need. Donate got missed. Nothing was done. Nothing I haven't was, seen anything uh, as no. far as a hearing. You know, nothing was said on the Canadian broadcast before my feed cuts out. Um, and then I hear Milbury was saying it should be a two or a five, and that's it. He didn't really push through with it. Um, it's comments like that in the studio that, don't help this game move forward. Nothing changes if they're the guys that, that get to voice their opinion in regards to what's legal and what's not. It was a clear elbow to the head. I don't think... What else can you say about it? Yeah, I mean... Bobby Ryan caught... Um, was it... Ruedo. Oh, yes, sorry. Wrong R. Yeah, Ruedo got caught... Um, that was, you know, thought there should have been at least a discussion about it, but that that went without a discussion. So that that 
the Ruruta one was a nine-game suspension, and the Wingles one was a ten-game suspension in the. In, in your, the in your rubric. Yeah, in my whatever we want to call it thing, in jiggy jiggy. Um, so re- really, neither of those two players should still be playing in the playoffs. If you want to stop this garbage, you, you've got to make people pay at the most important time of the year, and then they won't do that again. Because they were both decisions by the player to extend their elbow away from their body. So they went out of their way to make that happen. And that, that to me, is, is not a situational thing where uh, Crosby slid into Niskanen's cross-check because he was trying to, you know, split Crosby in half with the cross-check. He just happened to hit him in the head with it. It wasn't a situation of that for Wingles. He went after Wilson's noggin. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I'm starting to get tweets about the morning skate right now i don't know if this podcast will last long enough to have a definitive answer for that um but we'll sign we'll find out soon enough now ruido being out mark strike goes in and i don't want guys to get their chance via injury but i do like seeing strike in yeah, I, I agree. He he didn't look out of his depth. They put him in situations to succeed. Um, he's a little smarter with the puck than Ruedel. Obviously, he's not as good a skater as Ruedel, um, but his decision-making is better. And for me, that makes up for the lack of foot speed. So if Oli Marta can get away with having no foot speed, I don't understand why straight can't. 66% possession player in his two games, and he's got a, a point in each game he's played in the postseason. I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I see Ron Hainsey every single game. <laughs> and I don't know where you draw the line between, hey, this guy should lead our team in ice time, and this guy shouldn't get a jersey. Everyone has blind spots. There's obviously, I guess. He obviously has photos of somebody. I... You know, I'm not like Mark Streit's not great, but if you're going to be this offensive team that can't defend worth a damn, why are you playing the offensive or the the defender, old school defensive defenseman guy who's getting buried, historically buried, and the other guy is, you know, not in his own end as much and can actually. Make a pass. Yeah. Well, doesn't make any sense. I um. I think if Schultz comes back, um, Strait will be out again. And really, it should be Hainsey. I I agree. You know, Daly Daly's not been great, but he's not been as bad as Hainsey. Nobody's been as bad as Hainsey over the course of the of the length of the however many games they've played now, um, Hainsey is by far the worst of a bunch that has been buried, really. Yeah, and I'll give Daly um, his due. He's he, Since coming back, he's he's been... Um, he's been good, dare I say. Yep. 57%, 60%, 50%, and he's chipped in some offense, so... Uh, no complaints. That pairing was dog shit all year. 
Uh, Mata scoring back-to-back games, his first playoff goal ever. Um, Craig Anderson looked like uh, you were playing like EA Sports and you took manual control of the goalie and forgot that you had done so. That was very And just blasted it by short side again from a slap shot. And that's old Mata contributing even strength offense, joining the play. Uh, those are things that built his reputation up over the years and has been really lacking in his game because possession wise, he's kind of a whatever player, but he's always been able to contribute offensively, or at least his first half of his young career. And this year, there wasn't much of that in the regular season. Last two games starting to look, um, jumping in, doing those things. Hopefully maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. That would be great. Maybe it's the fact that he's not half dying from having Mata like contribute would be just an amazing thing for for them. Yeah, just to have it come out of nowhere as well. The, there's nothing in his play leading up to the last two games that suggested. Not that I call this an offensive breakout. I'm going to be a smartass when I say this, but to have the explosion of goals that he's had um, is just one of those things where you go, yeah, couldn't have predicted that was going to happen. You know things aren't going good for Ottawa. Mata Daly is running them. <laughs> yeah. You know things are running with skew if. So, and then uh, Jake Gensel, he's kind of on a cold streak, but he still leads the playoffs and goals, so. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said to my wife when we were watching the game, I said, oh, he's hit that regression. You can see all the shots that he's getting. You're like he was burying those three games ago. Yeah, that's it why he's focused on the chances. So, yeah, it was bound to happen. Yeah. Well, I think the league would like a Predators Penguins final. We know they don't want an Anaheim. They don't want Ottawa anything. I don't want an Ottawa <laughs> anything. So. You don't want to replay 2007? No, not particularly. <laughs> All right. Um, that's about it. Yeah, I've got nothing else I can add. I know stuff like Kovalchuk and all that's happening. We'll, uh, we'll shift towards... Can we at least let us get to the end of the playoffs? Yeah. We'll, Jesus, yeah, people. We'll, we'll shift towards that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> and we'll have off days and, we'll have... and whatnot when, the, when it's just two teams left. Uh, well, the... apparently there are two three-day gaps. I saw that. Hell for a writer. Ugh, God. Anyways, we will prepare for those podcasts. What you can do for us is rate us on iTunes or Android device so that when people search for hockey podcasts, ours will pop up. And that would be cool. It would be. It would be very appreciative. Um... HockeyHurts.com, at Walshy66, at Hockey underscore Hurts, at Gunnerstall, HockeyBuzz.com, Penguins Articles. Did I leave anything out? No, you nailed it all. Cool. All right. Till next time. See you guys.